Good morning, West Bowles Community Church. How's everyone doing? Good. Happy New Year. Yeah, it's 2023. Did everyone have a good New Year last night? Yeah, good. Uh, is, is anyone else not quite awake yet? Okay, not many of us. All right, all right. The rest of you are awake. Um, well, my name is David Perez. I'm the youth director here at the church. And uh, whether you're tuning in online or you're in person, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I got to be honest. A little surprise at how many of you are here. This is wonderful. Yeah, we can give everyone a hand. Um, when, we, when I first came down here, there was like 20. So I was like, okay, it's me and the staff. Awesome. Um, well, I'm going to pray real quick. And then uh, I've got just a, a quick little 15-ish minute devotional for us. All right, ish. Um, dear Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to celebrate a new year uh, as a church family. Um, Lord, I pray that you speak through me, illuminate your word, and uh, open hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, how many of you guys watched the ball drop last night? New Year's? New Year's? Yeah, in New York City. New York City. No one, no one watched the ball drop? Well, was there no ball drop? It what? Oh, wow. Okay, well... Here's what our family did last night. So I, every, every New Year's, we get together with my wife's family. It's with the Burns family. And uh, right at about 11.58 every year, we scramble to get the, the news on, okay, to be able to get the ball dropped. So it's like 11.58, we hop on YouTube Live, and we're trying to find where it's going to be at. And so we figure CNN, right? Any, any major news organization is going to have the ball drop in New York. So... We hop on CNN, and we're, you know, we're kind of talking. The countdown begins. We're at 30 seconds. We're at 10 seconds. And all of us begin to look, and we realize, one, it's not in New York, and two, that is not a ball that is dropping. In fact, it was a giant potato. We, <laughs> yeah, we watched a giant potato drop last night. And in case you're wondering, yes, it does drop into a basket, and yes, it does turn into fries, okay? So um, our New Year's tradition is not going to be New York. It's going to be Boise, Idaho, watching the potato drop every year, okay? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, did anyone else, did anyone in here make a New Year's resolution? No? Okay, wow. First time. Uh, well, when uh, I didn't make one either, actually, so I guess I'm in good company. But I remember as, as uh, growing up, I made a lot of resolutions, okay? And actually, every year, it was the exact same resolution, okay? And it was, I'm going to run more, okay? Running's healthy for you. It's good for you. Um, and I, I decided every single new year, I'm going to run more. And so here's what happened. January 1st, I'd wake up, tie my shoes. I would take two steps out the door and realize I made a big mistake, okay? <laughs> big mistake, and, uh, and so I would run one day, and I wouldn't run the other 364, and my next resolution would be run, okay? Now, I think we've all experienced this. We, we've had resolutions that have failed before. Maybe it was in your youth. Maybe it was last year, whenever it was. But I think the reason that our resolutions often fail is because they don't get at the heart of why we want to change. Right? They, they address a surface issue, but they don't get to the heart of, of why we feel like a change needs to happen. And so this morning, I'm going to actually walk us through. It's perfect that no one has a resolution because I'm going to walk us through a resolution as an entire church that gets to the heart. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, 
You can turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Let me get there. Chapter 5. Chapter 5. And we're going to pick it up in verse 14. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. This is Paul talking here to the church in Corinth, and he says this. For the love of Christ compels us, since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet we now no longer know him this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Now, if we're looking at verses that we might hang up on a wall or that we might commit to memory on New Year's Day. Verse 17 is probably one of those verses, isn't it? Right? I mean, and I see why. It's a beautiful verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. That is amen. Yes, that's a powerful verse. But what does he mean by new creation? What is this new creation, Paul? Now, in order to discover that in order to kind of look at what is this new creation we've actually got to look one verse up and we've got to look at what the the opposite of the new creation is and that's the worldly perspective so verse 16 i want to read that to us again from now on then we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective even if we have known christ from a worldly perspective yet now We no longer know him in this way. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at that worldly perspective. In order to find out what the new creation is, I want to take a look at a few of the worldly perspectives that's going to help illuminate and highlight the new creation, not not entirely, but at least in part, the new creation that Christ has made us. So three worldly perspectives, three, three worldly viewpoints, if you will, that we're going to look at this morning. The first... Um, is deeds. We tend to look at ourselves, at others, and sometimes even God in these viewpoints, and the first of those is deeds. So we, we look at people, and sometimes we can judge people based solely on their actions. Now, actions are important, right? We're called to live an active lifestyle. We're called to follow the Lord. And yes, your actions do have consequences. They have meaning. But sometimes we, we judge people solely on their actions, solely maybe on one interaction, on two interactions, on one thing they did right or on one thing they did wrong. And I think you and I both know that we are, we are much more than just our actions. Yes, they are important. But sometimes the action doesn't match the heart. Sometimes the action can't rightfully capture what we've been going through, what we've been dealing with, what we've been struggling with. You see, but a worldly perspective doesn't look at the heart. Doesn't look at what's going on in someone's life. Doesn't try and understand the past or the present. Just merely looks at the action and goes, that's what I'm going to judge you off of. Sometimes that's good, right? Sometimes we, we know some people that we would look at and we'd go, yeah, based on what their deeds, based on what they do, they're a great person. 
And with people like that, sometimes the danger can be putting them up on a pedestal. We can measure ourselves against them. Or we can even go, they, they can't do anything wrong. Sometimes with, with people who maybe have hurt us, who have maybe done a few things wrong to us, maybe it's one thing, maybe it's multiple things, or who we look at and we just go, man, they are just a bad apple. What we can do is we can look at them and go, yeah, you know what, they're just bad and they're never going to change. Maybe it's not other people, but maybe it's you and I. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe I'm alone in this, but, but when I look in the mirror, when I kind of reflect upon myself, how do I judge myself? I'm just on my deeds, right? I tend to look at what have I done? And it gets much easier to focus on the bad than the good, doesn't it? It's much easier to go, oh, I really messed that one up. And I'm going to get stuck in that. You see, the first worldly perspective just looks at our deeds and says, that's all you are, nothing more. The second perspective is, is the viewpoint of needs. Sometimes we can tend to look at relationships, at friendships, at people through the viewpoint of what benefit is it to me? What do I get out of it? What's, what's the value? How does it help me? How does it help me accomplish what I want to do? Now, I'm not, I'm not proud of this, okay, but this is about 10 years ago. I was younger, and um, my, my buddies and I uh, were, were a close-knit group of guys. In fact, uh, there's, there's been only one person that, that has been outside this group that's been able to manage to kind of be friends with us because I've known these guys since I was 12. So I've known these guys for 19 years now, which is crazy. So we're very close and tight-knit, and so bringing someone into that community is hard. We're not, we're not very easy to be a part of because we just, we've got so much history. So there's this one kid that we started hanging out with, seemed like a nice guy, but after the first few interactions, it was kind of like, you know what, we're just not meshing. Right? It wasn't like he was a bad guy, but we just weren't meshing. However, he had a boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was May. So, again, I am, I am not proud of this. But we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, we could hang out with them till August, maybe September. That's what we did. You know, the second that lake froze over, we stopped hanging out with them. But we, we can do that to people, can't we? We go, what good is this relationship to me? And the second it stops being purposeful, the second it stops meeting what I need... Well, then we cut it off. Well, then we lose contact. And not only do we do that with people, we can do that with God too, can't we? All right, sometimes, sometimes our relationship with him hinges on how much we need him. Hinges on what's going on in our life. Or maybe it's not just what's going on in our life, but sometimes we can look at him and go, my closeness to you depends on your answer to my prayer and whether or not it's the answer that I want we can sometimes look at God in the same perspective of how are you going to serve my needs? The last perspective is assumptions. You guys have heard first impressions are everything, right? Yeah, that's, that's a, basically, that's just an assumption. And we can assume a lot about people. Sometimes it's just the first interaction. We, we can assume a lot about them by the way they dress, by the way they talk, by the things that they say. 
you know, there's some, I read a, an article on NPR about some studies that say within the first few seconds of seeing a person, you've already decided whether or not you like that person. That's a pretty big assumption, isn't it? Yeah, we look at someone and we, we go, I, I know you, without getting the chance to know them. A really good example of this is, think of the last homeless person you ran into. As you see them, what are some of the thoughts that can go through your head? I remember hearing them. I've been guilty of this too. Drug addict, probably an alcoholic, no work ethic, won't get a job. Those are some pretty big assumptions, aren't they? What do I really know about that person's life? Nothing. And we do the same with each other. We do the same with people in our lives. The world will assume a lot about us without really getting to know us. So that's the worldly perspective. The world looks and says, you are nothing but your deeds. The world tells us it's all about utility. It's all about how useful is that relationship. It's all about our needs. And you know what? They're nothing more than an assumption. What you assume of them is probably right of them. You see, but what do we read in verse 17? The old has gone, the new is here. You are a new creation in Christ. And that new creation is the opposite of that worldly perspective. So there's three pieces of that new creation I want to share with you this morning. It's not all-encompassing. In fact, I would challenge you to dig into Scripture and go, what does God say about me? Who does God say I am? We did, it, we did a short little series on this in the youth group, and we spent, I think it was five weeks, and we probably could have spent another five weeks. So this morning, this list isn't all-encompassing, but I want to leave you with, with three, three things that this new creation is. So, so first, first, you are made righteous. You are righteous. In fact, Paul, we're going to read it in a moment. Paul talks about being the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In other words, your deeds, all the wrong you've done, no longer defines you. All the good you've done is no longer a standard you have to try and live up to. No, in Christ Jesus, we are made righteous. In other words, you are placed in right standing with your heavenly Father. There is no amount of good that you can do to be more righteous because we're, we're made righteous through Christ. He is the standard. He is the ultimate. Can't be more righteous than that. And even at your worst, he no longer looks at you and goes, oof, you really messed that one up, buddy. No, we are made righteous in Christ Jesus. It's no longer just about your deeds. You're righteous. Second, you are unconditionally loved. Now, this one ties a lot to the deeds. God, God loves you unconditionally, regardless of your actions. But God's love is also not conditional upon your gifts and talents. It is not conditional upon how useful you are to him. Sometimes we think God loves me 
only because I can bring X, Y, and Z to the table. God loves me only when I'm at, at full go with my gifts and talents. Oh, he loves me only because I'm good at something. But no. I mean, I mean, think about it. What can we bring to the table that he can't already do? What can we bring to the table that's impossible for him? Nothing. And so his love is not conditional upon what you do or don't do, but it is also not conditional upon how useful you are to him. He loves you unconditionally. And then last, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now that's not just talking about the outward appearance, but what's in here too. See, we serve a God who doesn't just see the outward, who doesn't just see what other people see and, and the assumptions that they make. No, he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, inside out, outside in. No assumptions, regardless of maybe the assumptions that other people might have, at you, have towards you. Now, with this new identity, we're called to do something with it. We're not just called to sit with it. And Paul tells us that. So we continue reading. Sorry about that, guys. I lost. Okay. He says here, So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin, or he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 20 says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, with this new identity, we're called to be ambassadors for him. We're called to then go out and tell others, hey, there's something better out there for you. There's a God who wants to know you and love you and spend an eternity with you and also give you a new identity right here, right now. And so my, my challenge to us, if we were to choose any one resolution, or I guess this is kind of two, but it would be first to remember that new creation, the new identity. To remember that you are made righteous. That you are unconditionally loved. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. As I've been kind of reading and preparing for this, you know what, I've been repeating that in my head. I've got to remind myself of those things too. Sometimes I can get back in and think in that worldly perspective. So I challenge you, remind yourself of those truths, of that new identity that's who God says you are. But then, too, go be an ambassador. Go, go find someone else out there in the world who is still living in that worldly identity, who doesn't know him, and tell them. Tell them of his love. Tell them of his sacrifice. Julie, what you so wonderfully said in your prayer. 
Tell them that there is a God who has something new, a new identity for them. I'm going to pray. I'm going to welcome the worship team back up. We're going to sing one more song, and then we're going to get out of here. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and this time. Thank you, Lord God, for this new year. And Lord, thank you for the fact that we are made new. In Christ Jesus, we have a new identity. Lord, thank you that we are made righteous. Thank you that we are unconditionally loved. Thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord, I pray that with this new identity, with this reminder of this new identity, that we would go and be ambassadors for you, that we would go and tell others, that we would see those around us, Lord God, with with your eyes. We love you and thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.